Hi, and welcome. We are back. We are doing our fifth Mida of Tomer Devorah. We're going to let people hop on. Uh, I'm just going to start because we want to keep to the schedule as much as possible. And we're five minutes in, so we're just going to start our learning, and you will get the recording afterwards. If you missed any of it, you can get it to your email. Um, but we are going to dive right in. Okay, here we go. Let's begin. <clears throat> Today's midah is called Lo Erzik L'Ad Apo. Lo Erzik L'Ad Apo, which means he did not maintain his anger forever. This is such a powerful one. And when I read this one today, I was, I learned this a bunch of times, but <clears throat> I keep reading them before the classes. Every time it's like, oh my gosh, this is where it's at. This is where it's at. What are we talking about? What's the midah? Okay. We're on page 66, by the way, in the book, okay? The media is that Hashem doesn't maintain his anger forever. A person sins, like we said in the past, their sin created a body of energy. That body of energy hangs out until somebody pays for that, for that sin. So either it's, a, either it's sustained through God or it's sustained through the person, right? Usually Hashem, the way it works is that a person sins and Hashem sustains that malach. Hashem sustains that sin, okay? Because now it's an actual entity in the world it's an energy in the world right a person that and we said this in, in our previous class a person that does a lot of bad things in their life and is conniving and is cheating and is uh, hurts people and manipulative and all that stuff when you're around people like that you sense their energy they have like this slimy something about them makes you feel like i don't know if i can trust them right they're conniving like why where does their energy come from our energy comes from our actions our energy comes from our actions. Our actions come from our thoughts, our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. Our thoughts lead to how we feel and what we feel leads us to act. Our actions, our actions create our vibration. They create our energy, the energy that every person has to them. Every person has an energy to them. If one person walks into a room, you don't notice anything. Another person walks into your room, everybody turns around and stares. Not, not necessarily because they're so beautiful, because they there's an energy that came in with them. People that are leaders, people that are movers and shakers, you sense their energy. People that are more, you know, um, grounded, calm, centered, healers, you sense their energy, it's a different energy. The energy is created in the person based on what they do. So if the person is like on the outside, looks like a rebbitzin, but on the inside, talks to Shahara, puts people down, does all these bad things, conniving, manipulative, whatever, they will have that energy. Even if on the outside, they don't look like the energy that they have. Even though that doesn't match up, it's still, there's an energy to them. So what's important is to understand is that our actions are created by our thoughts and our feelings lead to our energy. Okay. Now, when a person does sins, according to the Tomer Devorah, what they do is that they, that adds to their energy. So if a person is a habitual gossiper, their energy will be a certain energy of a habitual gossiper. Okay. They will have that as part of their energy, a part of their vibration. Okay. So now that piece, that energy is literally a body of energy and it's an energy created by their words, by their gossip, by their evil talk. It was created, it was given arms and legs and a, and a heartbeat. And it's, it's a real entity and it has to be fed and it has to be nurtured in this world because everything alive needs to constantly be fed. So Hashem says in our previous Mida, I'll take, okay? I'll carry the burden of your 
body of energy until you do tshuva for it. So this body of energy can disappear if either we do tshuva for it, if we see what we did wrong, if we feel bad about the fact that we did it, we regret doing it, we take upon ourselves the will not to do it again, okay? And then that body of energy dies out, okay? Because we took responsibility for it and we 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 atoned, our, our sin was atoned, and that's how it gets atoned. It gets atoned by tshuva. That's the way Hashem structured the world. You feel, you take responsibility for what you did, you don't blame anyone else for your mistake. You you understand that it was the wrong thing to do. You understand that it hurt you. You understand that you feel you feel bad about it. You regret it. It's done. Okay, that's the structure that he put into the world. That's how you atone for sins. But till that happens, what's another way for the sin to be atoned? Another way for the sin to be atoned is for the person to actually pay with blood, sweat, and tears, God forbid. Okay, a person gets punished. person gets yisurim. It's a kapara. What's a kapara? An atonement, right? So then that's another way. Death is another way that our sins, when a person dies and leaves this world, when they leave the world, a lot of their sins by the act of death, just by dying, lots and lots of our sins of these bodies of energy that are hanging around us get wiped off our bill. Okay? There's a few things that wipe these bodies of energies off our bill. But Till these bodies of energies are, are wiped off our bill, till all the affairs that I did in my lifetime Really, really, I clean my slate and I do my tshuva and I and I get atoned for my sins and all of that. So that happens. Hashem is carrying my burden. And the meter that we're learning today is he doesn't he doesn't hold on to his anger forever. Hashem doesn't hold on to his anger forever. Now, what is this meter that Hashem has anger? Hashem is like angry at us because we hurt his feelings. No, it's a mida. It's a mida called anger. When we get it, it usually is connected to our ego. Okay? Anger is connected to our ego. But the flip side of anger, the negative, the, the positive side of anger is passion, is feeling alive. It comes from that same source. It's that same shoish, right? Of anger. What anger, what's anger? Anger is when is when the person has a lot of energy pent up, a lot of energy built up all of a sudden because of a certain situation, because of a certain exchange, because of a certain person, because of whatever the stimulus was that caused this buildup of energy. And he lets it out with a lot of force and with a lot of intention and with a lot of, you know, with a lot of oomph. Why? Where does that come from? It comes from that same place of, for example, a person that is, uh, you know, a truth seeker, a person that runs after tzedek, like Pinchas, right? And he was a kanai for Hashem. What is that feeling? What is that? David Melech. What is David Melech? David Melech was the, the, the highest, sweetest, purest soul. How much blood did David Melech have in his hands? Now, it doesn't mean that the blood that David Melech had in his hands was anger blood, because that would have been an Avera. And David Melech didn't sin. Okay? The blood that he has in his hands, he was a shiliach to have to do the work that he did in this world. To, to kill the people that he did, to go to war, to do all the things that he did and that he had to do. It was part of his mission. Those people needed to be killed. That needed to happen. But still, he couldn't rebuild the base. He couldn't be the one to build the base. I mean, why? Because he had blood in his hands. Even if the blood was allowed, even if I was sent into this world to kill, yes. But the fact that he had blood in his hands, that on some level put him on a lesser level of, of, of purity and therefore, he wasn't on the level to build the base of English. It needed to be someone that did not have any blood on his hands. So what are we learning over here? We're understanding one very, very strong idea. That Hashem in this Mida doesn't 
hold on to his anger forever, which means he doesn't hold on to his way of treatment through things that look like din in this world, okay, forever. And let's understand what this means and let's understand how to become this way and how to learn the Tomer Devorah on this Midah. Okay, so here we go. We're gonna, we're gonna skip the first two pages and we're gonna go to the definition of the attribute. Page 68. When a person has been harmed, when you've been harmed, either your honor has been harmed, you've been, God forbid, physically harmed, okay, and your property has been harmed, and you have the right, you have the right, according to halacha, according to the law, according to everything, and according to what's right, you have the right to now, with harsh words, or punishment, or refusing to lend a helping hand to this person, retaliate. Excuse me. You were hurt. You were offended. You were, you were beaten down, okay? Emotionally, verbally. Physically, your, your property was ruined, your, your job. Something was, you were hurt. You have the right, halakhically, lawfully, in every way, to retaliate, to respond, to get back at the person with words, with musr, with, with everything that the person deserves. He says he should contain his anger as much as possible, as much as possible, limiting the intensity of his response, even if the assailant has not repaired his misdeed. Even if the person sitting across from you deserves the muster right now, they hurt you. They did something wrong. We're going to get to all the different categories as we go, according, uh, go along in this class. But this is the principle. The principle is, is even if you have the right you're restraining yourself. Okay, you don't have to say the harshest words. It doesn't have to be to the nth degree. Even if you have the right and you hold yourself back on whatever level, from going to the nth degree, the final blow, the final knockout, okay? You hold yourself back. What you are doing, what you are doing, when a person overcomes his anger against those who have sinned against him and deals with them, with kindness, warmth, and sincerity, he awakens Hashem's merciful attribute of he does not maintain his anger forever, bringing that element of mercy into the world. Now, what is so big about this element of mercy? Mm. What's such a big deal with Hashem not holding on to his energy, her anger forever? And if I don't hold on to my anger forever against people that have wronged me, which means, in other words, I forgive people that have wronged me, or if I don't go to the nth degree in punishing them, even if I'm in the right, then I illuminate this mida called that he doesn't maintain his anger forever. So what does that do for me? I'll tell you what it does for you. When a person has been offended and has every right to unleash his anger, but controls himself and acts mercifully, he awakens Hashem's merciful attribute, this attribute. And what does this attribute do when we awaken it? It has awakens Hashem's will to deal kindly with the Jewish people, even if they deserve his anger. When I am able, to take the blows of people that have whacked out egos, bad midos, anger issues, uh, like literally like 
like they have like they just not worked on people okay and they start to get all up in your face and this they start to talk low act low go to extremes curse do things that are really out there you have one of two responses either you go head to head with them because they're wrong and you're right and you're right the situation is not when you're wrong the situation is when you're right they're wrong and you're right you can go head to head with them and put them in their place and show them where they hurt you and show them where they were wrong and show them how disgusting they are and how ridiculous they are or and what usually happens in that kind of situation is that you might be right, but you will most likely lose this friendship, this relationship, this thing on some level. Now, if that doesn't matter to you, you don't care to lose this, this person, this person doesn't matter to you, that's a different story. Even in that story, we're going to get to that in a second. But if this person is your mom, your sister, your best friend, your husband, your child, Going at it head to head just so you can show them how you are right and they are wrong never really leads to anything good. Like, it's not a way to make up. It's not a way to teach a person where they screw up. The way to teach them is, first of all, to let them calm down. They, they want to unleash on you. They want to go crazy on you. They want to get all their jealousy, anger, bad needles out on you. That's their problem. You don't, you're not stooping down to their level. And when I am able to take these scenarios that Hashem sends into my life, these people that get all in my face, that accuse me, that wrong me, that hurt me, that steal from me, I'm able to take all of that. And in an effort to better myself, the world, and this relationship, I'm able to hold off on my response for the time being, for the time being, and we're going to see an amazing example from this chapter. For the time being, what happens to what happens to me? What happens to, to the world is that now Hashem, His mida of this mida of maintaining this anger gets illuminated, gets more energy, gets more pumped up, and what that what happens with that is that Hashem then deals with the Jewish people in a kind way, even when we don't deserve it, and we do deserve His anger. We do deserve it. We're not kind to each other. We steal. We talk about Hashem. We do all these things. And according to the letter of the law, according to, to, to the letter of the law, to the bureaucracy that he's created the world in, we definitely deserve to be treated harshly with a lot of decrees, God forbid, based on how we're acting, based on the, the, the whole of the Jewish people. But he doesn't act with, with us that way. If, we, if he went tit for tat with us, if God went tit for tat with us, we would have like a whole different reality. He doesn't. Not all the time. He makes exceptions to his rules. And when I'm able to make exceptions to my rules, the person is 100% wrong. Listen, listen to me. They're ridiculous. They're hurtful. They're wrong. They're lying. They're lying. They're straight up nasty. I'm not saying that you're wrong in any way, shape, or form. They are wrong. By you responding right now while they're unleashing on you, I promise you, it will just bring out the worst in you. It will just set fire to this whole thing and a snowball effect. And literally, no one will be hurt. Not you, not them. And just one big fire will be lit up between the two of you. And that is source for Machlokas. Machlokas is source for lack of peace, lack of peace. 
peace, אין כלי מחזיק ברכה אלא השלום. There's no better vessel that holds blessing in your life more than peace in your life. You're going to sacrifice the blessings in your life. You're going to sacrifice your success. You're going to sacrifice your children's success. You're going to sacrifice your happiness for going at it with this person now while they're in their ego state. Well, you know you're not going to be heard. You know you're not going to nothing. Forget it. That's option number one. Going at it, trying to prove, trying to be heard, trying to show them where they're wrong. Option number two. Right now. Let them talk. Let them put you down. Let them criticize you. Let them do all that by you staying silent. And even more so, he says that. Being warm. Being warm. Kill them with the kindness. Being warm, what that does, yeah, like a, literally you're saving the Jewish people. Like you don't even know how many souls you're saving because you're illuminating that midah. Of Hashem being kind to this person, even if this person really deserves his anger. And literally that could be you. God forbid. You could be saving your own soul by reacting this way. We know what we put out, we always get back. That's a rule of thumb in this world. What you put out, you always get back. It's a rule of thumb. So the example that he gives us here is an amazing, amazing, amazing example. Now, here, page 74, the bottom. We're reading this. We're reading this because it needs to be, we need to hear the story, okay? Avshalom was David's son. David Amalek's son was Avshalom. Avshalom had a whole cheshben why his father was needed to be killed. Halakhically, why this needed to happen, why his father was, according to halakha, needs to be wiped out, needs to be killed. Now listen to what he did. He gained the support of the majority of the Jewish people. His son gained the support of the majority of the Jewish people. Then he went to the head, okay? He was the Torah scholar. He was a leading Torah scholar, okay? An advisor for the generation. His name was Achitofel. He went to this huge giant rabbi and got him to be on his side as well. The Dabra Malach needs to be killed. He gathered an army and he goes after his father. Okay. Everybody rose against David, meaning the simplest Jews to the Skanim, to the, to the Sanhedrin. Everybody at that time, most majority of the Jews at that time rose up against David Amalek. Now listen to what happened. Now we know David Amalek was a saint. We know he was Sadiq. Tell him. David flees. He leaves his house barefoot and disgraced. He brings with him a few loyal supporters, okay, that, that were left. And as they, fly, as they flee, they bump into Shimi ben Gera. Shimi ben Gera was the leader of the Sanhedrin. He was the leader of all of the, the wise men, the older, the elders of, of Israel that gave Hadracha, that decided Halakha. He, he was the head of them. He was the, from the family of Shaul HaMalach, okay? When Shimi sees David HaMalach, in the, it says here, in the hour of his hardship, shamed and endangered, a king without a nation, he began to curse them with a klalani mretzet, a powerful curse. The Medrash tells us that the word nimretzet stands for noef, mo'avi, rotzeh, to'evah. He tells them, these are the curses that he tells them. 
You're an adulterer. You're a murderer. You're a Moabite. You're an abomination. Okay, and then he said he says all these insults to David Melech, and then he says him, and then he tells him, "Go, go, you man of bloodshed and lawlessness. Hashem has returned upon you all the blood of the house of Shaul, whose kingship you uh, you absurd, you usurped, you usurped. I don't know what that word means. Hashem has given your kingship to your son of Shalom and left you in a deserved sorry state, for you are a man of bloodshed. Okay." Basically, David Melch stands there in the reign of abuse, the last paragraph. Beside him stood his general, Avishai ben Surya. He stands with his sword in his hand. Avishai's blood is boiling. He is the, he's standing next to the king, and his, the king, David Melch, is being a, disgraced, so disgraced, and he's just standing there and taking all the disgrace. And he says to David Melch, why shall this dead dog curse my master, the king? Let me go over and sever his head. Avishai was right. Shimi had publicly rebelled against the king and was deserving of death. Nonetheless, listen to what David Melch says to Avishai. Avishai says, David Melch says to Avishai, what business do you have interfering, Ben Surya? Has he cursed, has he cursed me, he says, David Melch? Did Shimi, was Shimi the one that cursed me, David Amalek says to, to, to Abishai? Hashem told him to curse. Who may ask why? I have no idea why. Even in his hardest times, David knew that all his hardships were ordained from above. No one can hurt him if he had not been decreed so in heaven. So this is what happens. The next paragraph, listen to what our sages tell us. That at that very moment, that David accepted Shimi's curses and did not strike back. David Melch was no fool. He was no like, you know, he, he fought Goliath. He could have taken Shimi down in a millisecond. But he stood back and he didn't strike back. In that moment that he didn't respond, that he took all the disgrace, that he took all the abomination, that he took everything that was that he was saying to him after his son wants to kill him and uh, most of the majority of the Jewish people are after him and everyone's disgracing him and he's running away and he's in tunnels and he's in caves and he has no food. This tzaddik, from when he was a child, from when he was a child, and it's, uh, he had a very similar life to Yosef in many ways. So when he was a child, he was, he was put down by his brothers and he was sent away and his father didn't see the good in him and he was a shepherd and he was alone. Since when he was a kid, he was made fun of because he was a redhead. He had every reason in the world to be like the most depressed person ever. 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 And he's here, he's standing in front of Shemir Megira. He's not going to wipe, chop him down, man. And also, it could be good for him to chop this guy down because he's the Rosh of the Sanhedrin. And like half, most of the Sanhedrin is after, their armies after David Melech. Doesn't touch him. Chazal say. In that moment, you know what David Melch does in Shemayim? In that moment, David Melch, it says, because he didn't strike back, Hashem elevates his neshama to the level of the avos, making him the fourth leg of the Merkava, of the chariot. He has now elevated himself to the fourth level, to the fourth of, to the fourth of Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, David. 
because of this story, because he didn't strike back. Wow. He illuminated this mida of lo echzik la'adapo. And because he illuminated this mida in the world, that he didn't strike back, even though the person deserved it. And he was the king. And this person was, was, was putting the king down in public and cursing the king in public. According to Allah, you have to kill a person like that. He's murder malchus. And the king is standing there, shuts his mouth, takes the, takes the disgrace and doesn't say a thing. In that moment, he becomes on the level of the avos and the entire world changes energetically because of David Melch's actions. In that moment, David Melch moved the world from a state of getting exactly what it deserves to a state of rachamim, where Hashem can see the sins and still reply in kindness. You slap me across the face and I give you a piece of chocolate. That is what this Mita is. So obviously the question is, so what, we're supposed to be punching bags? Is that what God wants us to be, punching bags? People harm us, people put us down, we don't step up for ourselves? That's what Hashem wants us to be? This is like, that's why the Jewish people are harassed and that's why the hell, because we, we don't stick up for ourselves. We don't stand up. We take the, the punches and we put our heads down and we're, we're, we're sorry. Where's our strength? Where's our unity? Where's our fighting back? Where's our strength? I also want to have an ego. I also want to have a self. Person spits in my face, I have to give him a piece of chocolate. Come on. That's what Hashem wants? Listen to this story. The end of the story. This is where David Amalek takes the pie. Ready? Okay. So like this. It says like this, page 78. Look at the top. Okay, second paragraph. When it comes to our personal honor, convenience when it comes to your personal honor someone stepped on your ego someone didn't invite you to their bar mitzvah someone didn't invite you to the dinner that they made they stepped on your honor they didn't come and harass you they didn't gossip behind your back they didn't they stepped on your honor they stepped on your kavod huh. that's how they talk to me that's how they treat me it says here when a person, when it comes to our personal honor, convenience, or interest, we should be willing to endure insult and injury and have the restraint necessary to carry these, offensive, these offenses silently. We should recognize that everything is from heaven and that such insults are the best and easiest ways to atone for our sins. It's not the person that didn't invite you to the wedding. It's not the friend that didn't tell you about the party. It's not the, the guy that totally got you totally wrong and like misread you and then spoke not nicely about you. It's not them. It's Hashem. It's Hashem. Hashem is sending you these insults to endure them. Like he endures our insults and our averos. He's giving us an opportunity to become like him. When you endure being insulted, being your honor being hurt, your ego being hurt, your convenience being hurt. 
your your own your your own comforts being hurt when you forego that silently because it's bottom line it's your ego that like they're hurting your ego right when you forego that silently what you're doing is that you are atoning for your sins and it's Hashem's loving kindness that is sending are sending you these people to, 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 to try to shake you up, to try to yell at you and put you down and scream at you. In that moment, when you take it and you take the burden and you are silent in that moment, what you are doing for the Jewish people, what you are doing for yourself, you are atoning your own sins. All those energies, bodies of energies that are following you around, that are creating your vibe, that are creating your energy, those gossip sins, those, those, those chutzpah sins, those stealing sins, Ganevas das, different things that are following you around and atone them and get rid of them. Stop, 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 stop. The killing flies. Ugh. So instead of answering them and we're having, creating more flies, more noise, more sins around me, God forbid. Seeing this from a, taking a step out and saying, one second, one second, one second. This person's coming at me. They're clearly wrong. Me proving to them my innocence or right now, or me putting them in their place right now is not going to make a difference because they're like coming at me. <laughs> so that's not going to make it, uh, that's not going to help anything right now. If anything, I'm going to fall into the trap of like machlokas, fire, damaging my blessings, damaging the peace in my life. So responding right now with no response is the response. And if I'm able to do that, the reward is insane. You're helping cholesterol and yourself insanely listen to this we're not done we're not done listen to this okay how do i know what the right response is how do i know is it is it like generic is it like black and white like i respond in silence for every insult that happens to me and every hurt injury and every like that's how i respond to everything so no so listen to what david amelf does he's he's the bomb listen to what he does where is it? Hold on. Here. All right. Okay. Time passed and the rebellion was suppressed. Af Shalom, David Melch's son, was killed. The nation returned to follow David's leadership. And Shimi, the one that cursed him, remember, continued in his position as the leader of the Sanhedrin engrossed in his Torah study and piety. Not only did David allow him to maintain his position, he even sent his son Shlomo to study under Shimi ben Gera. David seemed to have forgiven and forgotten Shimi's curses. Okay? He lets him live. He lets him stay the head of the Sanhedrin. He even sent his son, his own son, to learn under the man that cursed him, the way he cursed him. Called him a dog. Remember all the things that he said there? Then, just before his death, David gave his final instructions to Shlomo, his son. We're on page 77 in the middle. Who would inherit the... the David Amal gave the instructions to Shlomo, who's now inheriting the Melucha, inheriting the kingship. David is on his deathbed. Okay, and now he's telling, he's giving instructions to Shlomo Amal as to what to do. Shimi cursed me strongly as I fled to Machanaim, he tells his son. Do not absolve him. For you are a wise man. Bring down his gray head to the grave through bloodshed, David tells him. David told Shlomo to find justification to execute Shimi. 
Hello? Where were you when he cursed you? Where were you in the heat of the moment? Years later, after you let him sit in his position, you sent his son to him, you forgive, you forget, you kiss, you made up, and now on your deathbed, you just, you remember that he cursed you, and now you want to bring, what was the word? Bring down his gray head to the grave through bloodshed? Ugh, why, why? You kiss and make up. Isn't that the whole thing? Like, mercy? Mm, listen to this. David well appreciated Shimmy's piety and Torah greatness. He knew that Shimmy had great reward in store for him in the world to come. Shimmy was a very big Tamil Chacham and Shimmy did a lot of good things in his life. It's not black and white, okay? You get rewarded for what you did good, you get punished for what you did bad. Doesn't mean because you cursed someone, everything you did good, all your hours of toil and work and Torah study and all of that is out the window. No, no. You still get rewarded for those things that you did. You woke up every morning, you put on fill-in, you woke up every morning, you did your work, you did your service. You still get you still get payment for that. So David Amalek knew what Shimmy was good for. However, he also knew that Shimmy's affront against David was a serious offense and would weigh heavily against him in his final judgment. He knew that in the world to come, when he's going to be judged on the final day of judgment up there, he knew that the curses that he cursed David would weigh big on that scale. So David in order to cleanse Shimmy before he left this world, okay? He wanted him to get punished for that sin against him in this world. He didn't want that sin to go with him to the next world because he knew how big that sin was going to be. More of a that's like, that's like big deal in the next world. It's like bad, okay? It's like being charged with murder, like manslaughter, like that's bad, okay? So, David Melech knew that, that, that if he dies and takes this sin with him to the next world, it's not going to be good for Shimmy. So can you imagine in the heat of the moment, he doesn't respond. When his, when his uh, bodyguard wants to get rid of him, he doesn't let him. After the war, after everything, after all the disgrace, after everything that David Melech went through, he's back in his throne. Everything is back in, in, in the way it was. He's the king, he has a nation. He gives this man to keep his position, to keep his honor, to keep his everything. He even endorses it by sending his son to learn by him. And then he even thinks about his afterward, his world to come. He even thinks about his world to come. On his deathbed, David tells his son, find a reason to execute Shimmy. Because if you find a reason to execute Shimmy, the fact that he gets executed in this world, his death alone will then abolish him of his need to pay for cursing me. It will be wiped off his slate. He even thought about him for his next world. And therefore he said, kill him off, take him down. He says like this, and this, where is it? This is an important aspect of this attribute. Listen to this. When a person comes, when it comes to our personal, okay, we did that, I'm sorry. The response, okay, here we go. This response, the response of not responding should be our willing choice. It should be a willing choice. It shouldn't be like, uh, it should be a choice. I'm choosing this. Not out of fear or weakness. 
I'm not going to not answer because I'm afraid of the person or I'm weak in front of in the face of this person, but out of a clear understanding that it is indeed a merit to be among those who are insulted, but do not insult, hear their disgrace, but remain silent, serve Hashem with love and rejoice with their suffering. It is a merit to be amongst these people. It is a merit to be amongst the people that Hashem sends, sends tests to of seeing how, how much they can swallow their ego, their pride, their honor, and be able to respond in this scenario in the right way, not of, out of anger, not out of, not out of vengeance, not out of pride, but respond with silence. And when I'm able to do that, I am able to then come back to the person if need be. And what, in what scenarios does it need to be? And this is where we're going to end. Sometimes your child needs you not to be quiet. Your child is chutzpahdik. Your child is not acting right. Your child doesn't listen. It would be wrong to stay silent and let the child knock you over the head and let the child be disrespectful and let the child be a chutzpahdik and let the child do whatever he wants. It would be wrong for you to remain silent and take the, take this, take the, 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 you know, the, the offense. It would be wrong. So he says over here, to decide the most appropriate response, we must investigate the intentions, the intentions that prompt our deeds. What are the intentions behind what I'm doing? Is it a sudden a flaring of thinking anger or a calm, carefully considered response of the most appropriate behavior? Okay? When you are forced to punish your son, because it says over here, shifto avato. Right? It says that a father, a parent, a teacher that doesn't punish his child when he needs to, that's not considered love. He doesn't love his child. He doesn't love his child. When you are training another person, when you are raising another person, when you are doing something for another person that is for their benefit, it's for their emotional, psychological, spiritual well-being. If you're doing it for them, then you're doing it when you have the intention. I'm not going to be angry at them now. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to make sure because this is also according to halacha. You're not allowed to punish your son, your child out of anger. If you feel like you want to break their neck right now, it's not a good time to give a punishment, hon. Don't punish them now. Stop talking to them right now. You are not allowed to break someone's arm because you're angry at them because of that uh, that's coming out of you. You can't act when you have that characteristic pumping through your blood. Don't act on anything. Don't write anyone a text message. Don't respond to any emails. Do, me a favor, do not respond to anyone. No one. Just like literally go to your room, go on a drive, go to the gym, go for a swim, do his modernist, scream in the woods. Just don't communicate with anyone. Okay? No one. All right. Best advice ever just trust me on this one from experience okay but it doesn't block it doesn't it doesn't totally take away from the fact that you are in the driver's seat here and that there are situations where you do need to put the person in their place but it can't come from a place of my ego is hurt therefore i'm gonna get you back it can't come from that place and when you're able to withhold that and choose like we just said i'm choosing to be amongst the people 
I love the way it was said. I love the way he, he wrote it here. I, I'm choosing to be amongst the people, where is it? Who are insulted, but do not insult. Hear their disgrace, but remain silent. Serve Hashem with love and rejoice in their suffering. It's a merit to be of those people. Every tzaddik in the world was put down, was embarrassed. Every person that has any kind of standing, spiritual standing in this world, is a person that they were embarrassed in front of people, that they were put down, that they were wrongfully accused, that they were, and they, vaidom aro. And they took it from God, and they understood that this is a test from God, and they didn't respond. You want to get, you want to make peace in the relationship, and you were hurt, not in the moment. Let them yell, let them scream, let them get angry at you. Don't take it to your ego. When you're calm, when you've written it out, when you've thought it out, like it says over here, carefully consider the response of the most appropriate behavior. What do you want to get to with this conversation? How do you want to come at it? Do you want to come at it with anger? Or are you able to come out of the conversation right now from a place of calm? Listen, I was offended. This and this and this was really, really offensive and made me feel like this and like this and like this. I think we need to talk about it. It would make me feel really, really good and a lot better if we created peace here, but I need to be heard and I want to hear what you have to say as well. And I hope that we can make, hear each other out. And if you see that the other person's again going at it and starting to yell at you, whatever, it's not the time. It's not the time. When both of you can come to the drawing board and both of you can have a conversation about the facts on the table and what happened and that this and this and this shouldn't happen again, or it would be really, really, it would mean a lot to me. If next time you want to tell me that, if you say it this and this way, I'm going to be able to hear it better. Because then we're building and we're not destroying. And at the same time, in the moment that you stopped yourself, you'll have the conversation later. You'll tell them where you were hurt. You'll tell them where they wronged you. But in the moment, if you're able to hold it back because it's not the right time and you're able to take, just like David took it, what you will do for yourself the world, your kaparasavonos is tremendous. It's a source to be in that position. It's a merit. Hashem is sending you. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be in that position of being embarrassed, of being disgraced, of being yelled at, of being fought with, and just to be amongst those people is a huge, huge success as a person if you're able to be amongst those people. And so I wish us all a tremendous amount of atzlacha in this midah, in emulating Hashem, that we understand the, the schus, we understand the, the merit, we understand the, the bigness, for lack of a better word, in silence, in this midah of silence. And no, they don't have to understand you. And no, they don't have to get you. And no, they don't have to hear you out. And no, I don't need them to do that. I don't need to be, to yell louder and to be more, I don't need to be, when the right time, the right time comes, if it ever comes, then we'll do it. Till then, and the last thing I want to just end with is remember, Hashem doesn't carry his anger forever. Don't carry yours forever. Forgive Forgive the people in your life. Forgive them. Don't carry your anger forever. Don't carry the wrongs that they've made, they've done against you forever. Because 
you're carrying it in the end. It's your burden that you're carrying. They did it to you, but you're carrying it. It takes up energy, takes up power, takes up your battery. It takes you up, whether you realize it or not, it does. So I give us all a bracha that we should be successful in emulating Hashem's ways and walking in his derech and being able to take blows and know and be smart enough to know how to deal with them, to know when to speak up and to know when to be silent and to understand that I'm not weak in my silence. If anything, my silence is a show of such strength and resilience and power that that is bigger than anything I can do in my response back to them. Anything I can change in my response back to them. That is way bigger in essence. Everyone has a great evening and a happy, happy and joyous. Lag Bomer, thanks for joining.